actually introduce yourself. I could. Yeah, go for it. Uh, hi, I'm Rabia Keeble, uh, the founder of Cabo Murray and Women's Mosque in Berkeley, California. And I'm going to talk to you today, Shireen. <laughs> <laughs> Rabia is also a badass. I mean, really, like just a unicorn. Um, when we talk about what are the kind of Muslims that we want to see out there front and center going up against the radical left. I mean, she is it. Just, just amazing. So I'm really, really, really glad we've got her on again today. So, Rabia, I want to just jump right into this comment that you made on the Let's Talk About Islamism Facebook page. And it was in response to the Ilan Omar attack of Ani Zonveld and where Ani asked her about FGM and you know, Elon, I don't know if she knew that Ani was Muslim too, and it was a totally legit question. Ani has done so much against FGM. So rather than just answering the damn question, she went off on an attack. So it led to this kind of a conversation on her Facebook page. And you made a comment that was really, that really struck me, and I'm going to read it. Uh, you said, this has always been my issue with Elon Omar, is that she is not a progressive Muslim at all. She is a progressive politician, and those things are hugely different. Can you explain right. that? Oh, gee. Okay. So I think I'd like to start by saying um, we need to be careful because quite often the whole idea of her being Muslim is so novel and that she's wearing a hijab that we are all awed, right? We're all like, wow, how did she get there? And, you know, it must be just really like magical and important that she got there somehow into Congress, right? And the point of the matter is, is that she was elected by constituents who are, mu who are much like her in Minnesota. And that is a Somali, a very large conservative, a group of Somalis in Minnesota. Okay, those are her constituents. And by the way, uh, she serves a certain congressional distri district. She doesn't necessarily serve all of us. She can be a voice for whatever she wants, but she only serves her congressional district, which tends to be mostly Somalis, okay? Her job is to introduce bills, resolutions, and uh, offer amendments, <clears throat> and to serve on committees. So she did champion one controversial bill, H.R. 3874, protecting the rights of LGBTQI people. So she is no uh, newbie <clears throat> to controversy. Why would that and have been a controversy? Can you explain mm -hmm. for why would that bill have been controversial for her community? Can you explain uh, that a little to folks who don't know? HR three uh, eight seven four. I I believe that for her and her constituency, that it would have been controversial, given their conservative religion, given their backgrounds, that it would have been somewhat conservative. But maybe it's just one that slipped by them. Uh, maybe it really wasn't so much her constituents as it was perhaps others uh, who, you know, uh, push this. Who knows? I mean, it's not important. I do know that in Minnesota they tried to um, 
introduce a bill that would outlaw FGM. And this was during her tenure there as, I, I forget in what political capacity, but uh, apparently she did not support this bill. And, and maybe that's what Ani was trying to, uh, in a very awkward way, direct her to. It's like, why didn't you support the FGM bill in your state? And, and um, there were a number of groups, and I think she was probably part of one or two of them. One is called I, I Surun, uh, which perhaps has some meaning uh, that I don't know about. But it is a very conservative group of Somalis and other African women uh, who have created this quite formidable uh, uh, club of some sort that supports these things and that that are very politically active. And she did not support the FGM bill because she felt, and many others in her community felt, the bill was too punitive. And that it called for, uh, you know, greater punishments than were necessary. However, there were some women in those um, uh, groups who also felt that it wasn't punitive enough, given the uh, horror, the butchery, mm -hmm. the disgust of this act. It, it, there is nothing like this, you know, and and this is what I couldn't quite understand about her her behavior. Let's let's look past her words. Her behavior was reprehensible. Are you talking I, about I mean, how she handled Ani? Yes. Yeah. I mean, as, as a as a as a as a Congress person, as a as a Muslim among Muslims. Now, people assume that she was sitting in a room full of of just diverse like mm -hmm. groups of people, not true. This was a group of Muslims. Mm -hmm. It seems to me that she would have been even more open and more willing to have these discussions. One of the things she brought brought up, and I listened to it several times, was, wow, I get so sick of people asking me, what am I doing about Hamas? Mm -hmm. I get so sick of people asking me, what am I doing about Al-Qaeda? And I was thinking to myself, okay, I understand that you may get sick of some topics because you know you do present as a Muslim and as a conservative Muslim because you're wearing the hijab 100% of the time. So why wouldn't people ask you that? Why wouldn't you expect that people would look to you for answers? And that's the thing I don't get about her, because this group has, her and, and Rashida, have really ridden the wave on on their identity politics. I'm the first Muslim congresswoman, right. uh, et cetera, et cetera. So you can't, you can't use that card when it's advantageous to you, and then at the other side of it, say, well, I don't want these questions. And then moreover, we are still like just under 20 years after 9-11, it's, it actually isn't that much time. People are still figuring things out. People are still asking questions. There are so many conversations that still need to be had. As a, <clears throat> as a Muslim reformer, I get asked the same questions over and right. over and over again, and you learn to deal with it, be graceful, and, 
and move forward. You don't get to sort of hoist up this arrogance and, and this disdain, uh, not only for the question, but for the individual. Ani, by the way, was part of a coalition that I put together for America Matters that really challenged FGMs. This is really personal for Ani, and we actually reached out to Elon Omar's office when she was an assemblywoman and were shut down. Uh, she just didn't want to talk to us. And so yeah. this is just systematic to her character at this point. Yeah. And and I think that that's something people need to pay attention to because, like I said, it's her job as a, as a, a, as a representative to talk to people, to answer questions, to clarify issues that we assume she has more uh, contact with people who can actually aid her in providing us the best answers. So when she refuses to talk and when she gets this attitude like this umbrage at being asked this question, like how dare you ask this question mm -hmm. about such a delicate matter, you know, uh, I was so offended by her that I didn't know exactly how to handle myself at the time. It really made me angry. And um, she used words like she was disgusted yeah. and, and and it was a waste of, of their her time and, and the other Congresswoman's time. Um, she was tired of the people acting as if, you know, somehow they support these things, uh, that there's an assumption that they support us. Mm -hmm. She wants to be asked proper questions. And I was like, what the hell is a proper question for a representative in the United States Congress? Exactly. What is a Specifically for your district. I also noticed that <laughs> later on, I think within a day, she went on and talked to Mehdi Hassan, a Qatar agent, basically, which who asked yeah. her about Islamophobia. I'm like, aren't you tired of that damn question? But that one's okay. <laughs> but we can't talk about little girls having their anatomy butchered off for the sake of honor and purity. But listen, here's the thing. It's, it's, it's probably closer to the truth that she had it done. And, yeah. and that makes it harder. That makes it way harder for her to condemn it because she was born in Somalia. Right. Okay. And, and and she's a conservative that comes from a conservative, religiously conservative family. Most Somalis are religiously conservative. And they're very they're very oriented towards like their clans and their families and, and it's you know extremely hard to understand for people like Americans who don't live that way, right? Mm -hmm. Where our religion is in addition to if we want it, but theirs is their culture. Right. Right. And so I would wager and, and she would probably say this is uh, unnecessary and disgusting. But I would wager that not only has she had it, but many of the women in her uh, district have had it because just by the nature of being born in Somalia. And there's no way to sidestep it. There's no there's no body standing up in Somalia saying stop this butchery. You know, and, and this is the thing. People are looking for heroes, sheroes. People are looking at this woman thinking, Wow, you're part of the squad and you're part of the, you're part of this vanguard of of fresh women in Congress who are standing up on all kinds of important subjects 
But when it comes to this particular one, where you can actually do some good for Muslim women, mm-hmm. you cop an at you cop an attitude, your 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 tone gets strident, you get offended when you shouldn't be offended. When I think her proper response to Ani would have been, "Sister, thanks so much for asking me that question, because that's something I need to be. I would like to be very clear on." And that would have been wonderful. But instead, she got on her soapbox and she postured and she pranced and she, you know, I was just looking at her thinking to myself, oh, this is the real Omar. Exactly. And I think we've seen her a lot of times. She gets, you know, when she's when she's in congressional hearings and when she's being interviewed and she talks about this is what I find really disturbing about her when she talks about horrors such as genocide when she's talking about terror organizations she gets she gets a little giddy from it like she has a sort of um glee that crosses her face and and that's not normal that's not a normal facial response to horrors and then when she's asked about you know genuine humanitarian interests such as fgm she's outraged i mean that is someone who in my opinion is not exactly mentally stable I, I can't, you can't you know, speak to that, um, but I that's my personal opinion. Right. And that's and that's, you know, I I don't want I I guess I don't want to go down that rabbit hole because uh, making it, you know, and I probably am better qualified than a lot of people to make that assessment of her. But I don't want to because I don't think it's that. I mean, I think it's just that she's been picked on, you know. And, and this is the same thing that happened with Ayan Hirsi Ali, as, mm-hmm. you know, another Somali uh, African woman, is that people beat her up, upside one, one side, down the other side, threats against her life, killing her friend, all this stuff. And then they expected her to come out and to, and to, to actually embrace and love Islam mm-hmm. when all the people that were bringing all the pain into her life were Muslims. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. see what I'm saying? So now we come to uh, uh, to Ilhan. We have another Somali African sister who has been abused. Donald Trump is trying to use her as his battering, you know, uh, post, you know, and it's disgusting the way he goes after these women. It's disgusting how people go after her. I am appalled at at some of the immaturity that I see in there's, terms of people. Well, there's things uh, that well, there's things that people are like the posters around her are just uncalled for. But yeah. when it comes to her, and this is and this is before this FGM issue that popped up recently, one of the reasons that I see because one of the things I do is really try to stay on the pulse of like what people are feeling, like what are the raw emotions. And, and Trump aside, actually, she's helping Trump for 2020. And I know we have different politics, and that's fine. But I look at, he sounds more sane, you know, even with his outrageous comments sometimes compared to her. Like, she makes him sound sane. But when it comes to Ilan Omar, the, the fact that she has this repeated behavior of really outlandish comments, no remorse, no humility, and then boom, next week she does it again. Next day she does it again. I've literally had conversations with people who are saying, well, why can't you be more nuanced? Why can't you be gentler? Uh, why are you attacking her? And then within 24 hours, this happened at least three times, 
within 24 hours she will do something even more crazy and yeah. and i'm just like how do you expect me to engage with with someone with somebody like that with an idea like that you can't well, now let's look at another angle look at she's a conservative muslim who are the leaders in the conservative islamic neighborhood in america way at the top of that list are people like who hamza youssef who was also invited people who have and and i would say he has one of the worst attitudes that i've seen have you met him in person like what's your experience i have met him in person he what's knows your experience who I, am. I went to school right next door to uh zaytuna and i went to graduate school right next door to zaytuna he knows who i am he knows that i don't agree with their politics or their, the way that they practice religion. And, you know, uh, I don't think anything can stop them because they have the money to stay on, you know, those tracks and to keep, you know, pushing forward with some of the most backwards and some of the most ridiculous ideas about Islam that I could ever, you know, ever hear. And if you think about the, you know, a lot of these people, these men most specifically, that she probably follows religiously. And people think that you can like separate yourself. And like when I walk through the doors at work, then I take off my hat and I'm not a Jew or Christian or anything, but I am simply your representative. Well, that's a bunch of bullshit because you can't. You, when you walk in the doors at work, you are in full who you are and you're not nobody else. I believe her religion informs a, a great deal about how she behaves, who she is. I think also her culture does. Um, I want to talk think, about that real quick, the culture, because you and I were talking privately before this, before our conversation here, on how you and I have both gotten attacked by Somali women for attacking Elon Omar. And I think that ties into the culture. So I was attacked and uh, by someone who is... A, a really a really powerful anti-fgm advocate and she couldn't understand why i was attacking elon and why i was criticizing the community for really uh championing someone like elon to be their representative and she just she couldn't distinguish the critique from an attack on the somali community and I, and i feel like there's this and i'm not by any means an expert or even well versed with the somali community i'm kind of like learning about it but i feel like they're deeply more sensitive. Like I'm familiar with the cultural sensitivities that come from, let's say the Pakistani community, which is where I'm from. They cannot handle any critique at all. And I feel like the Somali community might be even a little bit more sensitive than that. Um, what was your experience? Well, there were a few people, uh, Somali women, who questioned my uh, statements regarding her behavior at that conference and answer to Ani Zonenfeld. Uh, I tried my best to explain to these women, this is not an attack on Ilhan. I'm not attacking her. I'm basically trying to help a group of liberal white people who are following this understand that it was perfectly fine for Ani to ask Ilhan that question because Ani brought it up, if you recall, mm -hmm. she she didn't do really well getting her question out, which 
sort of. I was just like, oh, come on, bring it, you know. She didn't get, but her point was of that situation in Michigan where the two doctors had their case dismissed or at least put on hold by a federal judge put on the bench by Ronald Reagan who said, this is not my jurisdiction, I will not hear this case. This is a state level uh, situation and who knows what has happened since then. Mm -hmm. And what a travesty because these doctors broke the law. There are two South Asian doctors, a man and a woman, who were performing FGM against, against the law. It is a federal law, I believe. And, and that's the issue. It's a federal law, but it's not a state law. Yeah. Not and, in most and, states, and in at least. Places, and even, even in here in California, I brought a, a Muslim Women Bill of Rights to Assemblyman Rob Bonta because I was a delegate at the time and had access to him and other legislators. And I thought, wonderful, this is the time to start talking about FGM here in California. Well, who steps in to throw a wrench in the works but care. Mm -hmm. The first thing they do is they put me on the phone with care so care could say, well, we just don't believe that, you know, we think that the punishment is too strict. There was no punishments, Shireen, mm -hmm. because I wrote it as a bill that would provide resources to educate women. There were no punishments. It was for education. It was for advertisements, flyers, classes, so that women of every agent and every group who is, who is Muslim would understand that FGM is not something they have to do. And if someone is even talking to them about it, you know, you have a right to say information something. to let you know, these are your rights. Here's what FGM really does to the human body and why it is a travesty. What was this Care's what, response when you said there is no punishment? What was their, what did they respond with? They kept trying to argue that it was, and here's the thing, even though I was a delegate and even though I had the ear of the assemblyman, they had much more power mm -hmm. to influence him than I did. Isn't that a trip? They had much more power. He was more willing to listen to them who honestly were a bunch of like schoolgirls who really didn't know what they were talking about. I remember at one point in that conversation about FGM, uh, one of them pointed out Islamic City as a citation. And you may know Islamic City is like a website mm -hmm. on the internet where people can go and take Shahada on the internet. Mm -hmm. I was just like, I don't believe you just quoted Islamicity. It's like, uh, <laughs> I can't even say it's like quoting uh, Wikipedia. It's, it's, it's worse than that. It's, it's way worse than quoting. It's Wikipedia. like quoting Craigslist, basically. Right. Right. I mean, to some degree. I mean, people like that assume that anything that says Islam yeah. is good. Anything yeah. that's on the, that gets a lot of hits and a lot of use is a good thing without even thinking like who put this up here and who's running it what purpose and actually is the scholarship here solid they don't know that and they don't care and so it was these women you know and i was just like well you know they just dropped the whole thing i don't know they 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 uh, 
brought it down to a resolution, mm-hmm. right? And I don't even know if the resolution exists. I have no idea. It was just like dropped like a hot potato. And I'm sure it was dropped like a hot potato because it is one of those things like people are so afraid of Islamophobia. They think if you try to critique any of the bad things Muslims do, that that's Islamophobia. And it really sets us up as Muslims to be like this group of people where offensive been drawn around us and we can't grow. That's one of you the know? things I tell people all the time, like every single opportunity I get to send this message out, I send this message out and I'm going to use it again here is Islam has a really, really rich history and legacy of debate and dialogue. And so it is our right as Muslims to continue that dialogue in this century, but it's been shut down by Islamists and it's been reinforced by the media and so it's our right to ask really powerful questions and to be uncomfortable in that because nothing that we are talking about today is remotely as provocative as the type of conversations that took place within islam 600 years ago yeah And, and one of her statements which really threw me why would you suggest that we might support something so abhorrent well Ani's question had nothing to do with what they may be supporting. No one made the assumption that they supported it. Uh, The fact of the matter is, uh, we want, I want to know what they feel because just yesterday, I mean, not yesterday, the day before, uh, a friend of mine who is a historian came across, who is also anti-FGM, came across a website called capital S, small i, capital A. It is an African woman running this website. Her name is, is uh, Fuambe Amadou, and apparently from Britain, London, who uh, did some work with UNICEF, perhaps. They, they don't uh, associate themselves with her anymore. But apparently she underwent FGM as an adult. Yes, had, Tucker had Carlson a, had her on her show. Had a clitoridectomy. Yeah. And then decided that she wanted to champion mm-hmm. the right for women, and she tries to emphasize women, to have this procedure done. Yeah, Tucker, she went on Tucker's show, so I'm going to try to link to it in this podcast. Um, she's freaking nuts. Like, And that's the thing. It's when you dialogue with these people, they're in a complete, like her or Kara, they're in a completely different reality. It's very... It's very Kafka-esque that you cannot get through to them, and, and they just don't see reason. And so it's if she wants to do that as an adult, if any woman wants to do that as an adult, 18 years plus, God bless you, do what you want. But then to put that on a child or to use your own experience or your own decision to, to soften the narrative for having this abuse done on a child is, is a whole different stretch. I agree, and I believe that there's not enough information out there for people to make informed decisions about FGM because there is quite there are quite a few people out there, uh, like Kubra Jauhar, number one, like the uh, Imam back in Virginia who a couple of years ago decided to uh, tell his congregation that this was something that 
was advantageous for them to do for their young girls mm -hmm. to keep them pure. You know, they keep creating this dichotomy of West against East. The East is best and they're cleaner and they're better and they make better decisions for their women when we know that's not true. Right. Because mm -hmm. all you have to do is watch the news and you will see all the time that women are being murdered, women are being uh, raped, gang raped, and that the law does do nothing to protect them. So no, I don't want to be like the East and how uh, I approach things about women's rights. I want to be more like the West. Mm -hmm. And so when they set that straw argument up, I always get a little pissed off. And in terms of Islamophobia, there's this like huge uh, uh, push to continue to use this word. But what I also see is some pushback beginning, like when people use this word that some people are saying, oh, no, 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 we're, we're not going to use Islamophobia. Because Islamophobia has become this blanket term. You know how you throw a blanket over a fire? Mm -hmm. Every fire is not a bad fire. And sometimes a good fire leads to a better year of growth for, for trees. That's beautiful. And so when you throw this blanket, Islamophobia, over every discussion that falls outside the realm of what someone like Ilhan considers appropriate, we'll never get anywhere. We'll be just as backwards as some people like in villages in Africa and India that think, you know, some of these things are just the proper thing to do. And so I want to I want to end on this note. Um, you and I talked about this a little bit before, and you encouraged me to sort of really be more vocal about it. And I think this is a good time to be more vocal about it. When we look at what's really going to challenge FGM, what's going to end it, I want to I want to point out one thing. One thing is the activists in Africa are doing a hell of a much better job than we are. They're actually making progress because Human rights issues in the Middle East and in North Africa and Africa at large, even parts of South Asia, they're able to go further because they're not hindered by the identity politics that really handicaps us here. That's, that's, that's one true. thing. So I know a few activists that go out there routinely or live out there and they're doing such great work. Boom, 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 getting it done. No problems. No one's crying racist. The other thing is when we look at what can be done within, and obviously FGM is not an exclusive issue to Islam or Muslims, but it is it is brought between a, a few different groups, but it is really present within the Muslim community as well. So when we look at that and we look to see, okay, who can really sort of heal that issue, a lot of us will go towards scholars, for example. We'll, we'll say, oh, the scholars or the authorities in faith. And I know that there was a private closed door meeting between around nine people uh, over the course of two different days, where scholars from North America came together to have uh, a review of FGM within is Islamic law and Islamic scripture. And two things happened with that. One is they didn't denounce it. The reason they didn't denounce yeah. it is because they're scholars. They're so fixated on, on the academic thinking that they're, they're just sort of handicapped by that as well. And so what they did is, they said, well, Islamic law uh, allows it in certain cases or in certain sort of uh, Islamic law allows it, so we cannot speak out against it. Now, that to me as a thinking person is deeply problematic because now you've just equated Islamic law, Sharia, fiqh, 
with the Quran, which was really the foundation for anything else. And so it's a comparison of Islamic law with the Quran, and those two things really aren't compatible. So they, they failed. In my opinion, well, they failed. And so it am, comes down... Am I correct when I say that you suggested that some one of those individuals talk to me, and they never did, number one? Yeah, you and Ani, I recommended the two of you. Yeah, number two, they never did talk to me. Number two, um, I think overwhelmingly, it was men. It was mostly men and one woman. And yeah. so there's that. And then the, the other issue is, um, you know, so who is really going to be able to heal these issues? And it's going to be on the ground activists, uh, people like you and myself, like Ani, and, and really survivors first and foremost, and then also the communities who want to speak out against this. There was uh, another fellow when I led the campaign with America Matters against FGM. One of the fellows I met with is Amar Karamji, and his sister had FGM performed, and he was horrified as an adult when he found out that this is what's happening. And this is a, someone part of the Dawidi Bora community in which the, the victims in the national FGM trial in the U.S. were also part of that community, as was a doctor who performed it. No, sorry, the doctor who performed it was from that community. Um, so when he went into his community and he tried to speak out, he was just crushed, absolutely crushed. And so even those people in the community who are speaking out cannot do it alone. They need the support of on-the-ground activists, which just goes back to why what Annie said is so important. And she's just not another person who, you know, who is speaking out. She's someone who's obviously has run circles around Elon in terms of accomplishments. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, it's horrific. And the best we can do at this point is to have these conversations and to not let these conversations die. She said at the very end, she says, American politics, you know, in American politics, blah, blah, blah. Why can't you treat us like you treat uh, other American politicians? Mm -hmm. And I was like, exactly. What kind of treatment do you think that is? If you know anything about American politics, it's extremely dirty. Mm -hmm. Whether mm -hmm. you consider that discussion with Ani dirty or not, I don't. She apparently tried to infer that it was disgusting and therefore beneath her to talk about because it was talking about the nether regions of a woman. And I think that she's mistaken if she thinks she gets preferential treatment or kind treatment because she's a politician. It's just the opposite. Absolutely. Rabia, thank you. We will have you on again. Thank you. Have a good one. You too. Bye-bye.